Well, good morning. How many are blessed to be in the presence of the Lord today? Anybody excited to be in the, in the house of the Lord? Come on, if you're excited to be here this morning, why don't you just tell them that today? Make some shouts of praise and noise of thanksgiving. Man, it is so good, so good to see you here. It's so good to, this morning to be in the presence of God as we continue in this journey of growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, our 50-day summer road trip we've been looking at calling uh, over uh, the last couple of weeks. We are now just over the halfway uh, of our 50-day journey, and so summer is moving along, and we're growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is our goal, not that our faith would grow, because we cannot grow our faith. Faith doesn't grow. Faith is what we receive from God. Faith is not needing to be grow, to grow. Faith needs to be activated. When you use the faith that God has given you, how many know it doesn't become growing faith? It's producing faith. And God wants us to have a faith that would produce. You take the faith you've got. You don't need the faith of Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or your Sunday school teacher or your praying grandmother or, or whoever that is. You don't need their faith. You need the faith that God has already given you. He's given you what you need. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell him you've already got what it takes. Tell them that today, you've already got what it takes, giving us the faith that we need, that when we activate that faith, that God will cause us to produce, and that is our goal, that we would grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. As we grow in this faith journey, it's that we know Jesus better than we knew Jesus before, that we see him and know him and experience him in the fullness of his glory and all that he is, that we would grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's anybody growing in their knowledge of Jesus Christ on this journey. Is there anybody growing in the knowledge of How many know Jesus better today than you did last week? How many, know, how many want to know Jesus this week better than you knew him last week? This is our goal, that we would continue to go on this journey. Proverbs chapter 24, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be looking at this text and uh, as we have been doing over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at this road trip uh, that out of Second Peter, it's our theme text, out of Second Peter chapter, chapter 1, uh, verse 5, and, and throughout the uh, verses there, that Peter talks about uh, adding to our faith, that because of what God has done for us, we're to add to our faith. And here's how we add to our faith. We take the faith that God has already given us, and we add to it. And each week we've been looking at what Peter says we need to add to our faith. We, we looked at moral, uh, our uh, moral excellence. We looked at knowledge. We looked at self-control. We're going to continue that journey today uh, as we look in Proverbs chapter 24. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you uh, uh, kindly stand with me today? And uh, let's read the word of the Lord together in Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to start with verse 13. You can follow along on version. If you have the Bible app, there's an event on there that you can find. Be Faith Assembly and uh, follow along with us there. Uh, or if you do not have a Bible, don't leave today without stopping by our Welcome Center. We'd love to put a, a Bible in your hand and just a, a great gift because the Word of God is the greatest tool we have in this life that we live. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 24, starting with verse 13. My child or my son... He says, my child, eat honey for it is good, and the honeycomb is sweet to the taste. In the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future. How many are looking forward to a bright future? If you find wisdom, he says, if you find it, you will have a bright future, and your hopes will not be cut short. Don't wait in ambush at the home of the godly, and don't raid the house where the godly live. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Look at verse 14. 
The end of verse 14. If you find it, if you find wisdom, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. How many have found out in life and how many would admit that uh, you, have, you have had moments in life where you've looked for the shortcut. Is there anybody who looks for the shortcut? Yes, I see that hand. Is there another hand? Is there anyone else who would may admit that we look for the shortcut? That is what we do. If we're honest, and it's good to be honest, we look for shortcuts. But we're praying today, God, give us endurance that we wouldn't just look for the easy way out. That we wouldn't look for the shortcut, but that we would allow you to develop in us what you want to do for your glory. Can you agree with that this morning? Let's make that our prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. And God, for this time that we gather together in your house, bless this time. Lord, we know your word is already blessed, but God, I pray that you would bless our hearts and make us ready to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God, bless our hearts. Look at your neighbor this morning as you're seated. Just tell them, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Doesn't that just make you feel good? You may be seated this morning. Just take you back to your days with grandma, right? Oh, God bless your heart. Bless your heart. Although when when grandma said, God bless your heart, that usually was her way of saying, you're really not that smart, are you? God bless your heart. God bless your heart. I want to share this morning from a a title that uh, uh, out of this verse that we read in verse 14 says, if you find wisdom, if you find wisdom, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. I want to share from this title today, Cut Short by a Shortcut. Cut short by a shortcut. Our travel in this life and journey is affected by hope. Hope is what moves us. We are moved by hope. We begin with hope. Hope determines the direction that we're heading. If you're heading in a direction, it's because hope moves you. If you're retreating, it's because you've lost hope. If something in our in the position, in the direction that we take, that we're moving along because of the hope that we have, it fills our hearts We're going along and sometimes we can reach moments in life where it feels like we're traveling without hope. There's seasons in life or circumstance and situations that might come along and make us feel as if we have no hope or to feel hopeless. We've we've heard this, we've said this, we've felt this. How many have ever felt hopeless at moments and times in life? That there's a moment of hopelessness that sets in when the overwhelming factors of life come against us and we feel as if we're without hope. Now I want you to notice it's okay okay to feel like we're without hope because we know that sometimes even though we acknowledge how we feel we have to tell ourselves that just because we feel that way doesn't mean that's the way we're headed I'm glad you said amen this morning just because it feels like hopelessness doesn't mean it is hopeless because we believe that our hope does not come from the circumstances that surround us but our hope comes from the one who is yes and amen the one who was from the beginning and who will forever be the one who has the final word I'm so thankful that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and his righteousness I don't know if your hope is established like that this morning but if you've got a hope that's built on a secure foundation why don't you just tell him thanks this morning that we are built upon a solid rock do you ever have those moments where it's like you just feel it on the inside of you and you just get excited and it's on the inside of you you just agree with what God's spirit is saying and you feel that on the inside how many have ever felt that let me just encourage you don't wait for the preacher to tell you go ahead and give God praise you just give God praise just tell him thanks let the joy of the Lord overwhelm and that hope would arise in our midst and we can be in seasons where 
It can feel like we lose hope in our family, lose hope in our marriage, lose hope in our future, lose hope in our finances, lose hope in our dreams. And and there can be these seasons where it feels as if hope is lost. Sometimes we might even be in places where we've lost our hope in God. I know we wouldn't want to acknowledge that or say that, but I know there have been moments in life where we say, God, I know you're good, so why aren't you answering the way I'm asking God, I know you're able, so why aren't you doing what I know you're able to do? God, I know you can. Why aren't you doing what I know you can do in this situation and in this life? In those moments, it feels like we are without hope, that we go through the the circumstances. We're reminded that hope is not something that we have for a season, but our hope is eternal that our hope goes with us through the storms, that our hope doesn't get drowned by the waters that rise. Our hope doesn't fade away because of the fires that burn. Our hope isn't dispensable or or isn't taken apart because of what we face. Our hope goes with us. Our hope goes with us through the flood. Our hope goes with us through the fire. Our hope goes with us through the circumstances. Why? Because our hope has a name and his name is Jesus and he said, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. No matter what you go through hope is always there because hope is not a circumstance hope is a presence and his name is Jesus Christ and his presence is with us always to the end of the age that we acknowledge and know where our hope comes from but unfortunately there's a hope that fills our culture and our world that there's a different type of hope and there's a different type of hope that that unfortunately becomes an uncommitted hope It's a hope that is seen with intention and desire, but sometimes not with follow-through. It's a hope to. It's practiced this way in our our way of of communicating and plans that we make. And we say things like this, I hope to make it to the birthday party. I hope to make it to the planning meeting. I, I hope to make it to church next Sunday. I hope to. But the problem with our way of hope to is really what we're saying is we'll see. We'll see. I hope to, but we'll see on how things go. We'll see how I feel. We'll see how the things come along. I hope to, but the hope that I have is not a committed hope. It's a hope that is, that is, that is, that is consistent to how things are going in my life. I hope to, but it's not much commitment. And unfortunately, that kind of hope has filled our culture. That we have a hope that becomes a, a, a hope that is conditioned by life and by circumstance and by feelings. It's played out so practical in our everyday life of what we hope to do. I pray that we raise the level of what real hope is all about. Because hope isn't just something that it depends. We'll see. See how I feel. See what goes on. See what comes along. But no, we have a hope that says no matter what happens, that's my determination. No matter what rises up, that's my destiny. No matter what takes place, that's what I'm building this life upon. It's more than a we'll see, but a hope Our hopes, unfortunately, get cut short by the experiences of life, the experiences that come along when things don't go as we planned or as we desired. We can have moments where I was hoping for a happy marriage. I was hoping for a fulfilling job. I was hoping for a peaceful family vacation. I was hoping for things to go well. I was hoping for to, to be used by God. I was hoping for these things to occur. And your hope comes to a place and it feels like you're in the middle of the storm and it's not going the way you hoped it would. But the problem is you 
moved that word hope and you put in a different word is your plans. That your hope has been built upon your plans. This, this, this didn't go the way I hoped. And really what we mean is this didn't go the way I planned. And what we're doing is we're building our hope upon our plans. And how many would acknowledge and say it's so easy. We do it in our lives. We do it in our way of living that we build our hopes on our plans. And when it doesn't go the way we plan, when the people don't respond the way we plan, when even in church life, when the pastor didn't do what I planned, when the, when the service didn't go the way I planned, when, the, when things didn't happen the way I planned, when it didn't go according to my plans, we build our hope on something that is so so futile and something that is that is so unable to carry and maintain that when we build our hope we build relationships on our plans we build marriages on our plans we build careers on our plans we build future on our plans we let our hope ride on our plans but how many know our plans aren't enough to carry in the storms and the high waters and the winds of life because every moment I have a plan There is a life circumstance that easily comes and topples what I was planning. How many have ever had one of your plans get turned over by life storms and the winds came and all of a sudden what you planned and the boat you were riding on, the SS My Plan, just got turned over, got flipped upside down. It didn't go the way I planned. But here's the thing. In the midst of my plans turned over, how many know I'm holding on a life raft that is more than just my plans to carry me. I may have built myself a, 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 a luxury cruise liner. I may have built myself something to take me through with comfort, with ease, and with desire. But the winds come, and even the Titanic gets knocked down by the, by the elements and the things that are around. But there is a life raft that is able to come and to carry me. It might not be the way I planned. It might not be the style I wanted. It might not be what I thought would be. But there is a life raft, and his name is Jesus, that Hope does not sink even when my plans go down. I know I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if it's ministering to your heart, but this is how life goes. And how we respond in these seasons of life and these circumstances that unfortunately when it doesn't go as we planned, our hopes get cut short. Our hopes come to a place of being affected. But I want you to know today that your hope gets cut short because you're building your hope on your plans. But when you recognize that, is, that hope is in Christ, that your, hopes, your hope never gets cut short because you always believe that God is developing and God is working and God is creating, that he's working something far greater than you can understand. And even though your plan was this, God's ways are always higher than our ways. But you know the problem and the gap of getting from my way to his way takes this... Next word that we look at this journey, it takes patient endurance. Someone said one time, don't pray for patience. Actually, they said this, I've never prayed for patience. The reason they've never prayed for patience is because they know if they pray for patience, God's going to give them an opportunity to practice patience, and I'd rather just not have to deal with patience. But to not deal with patience is to settle somewhere between just living according to our plans and allowing our real hope to get cut short. To miss out on what God would have and what it is that he would want. That our hope gets cut short. Notice how the author of this book of wisdom, this Proverbs written by King Solomon, who is the wisest man in the world, 
this verse that we look at, notice who he references and how he begins. He says these words. He says, my child or my son, but my child. You know that when it comes to patience, anyone who has traveled and taken a journey with children, that you answer the monotonous question with the same answer. When they ask you, are we there yet? No, for the thousandth time, we're not there yet. You know that a child has not developed the ability to be patient because a child, a, a child that, that represents an immaturity and represents being undeveloped, they don't have a concept of time. When, when a promise comes into their lap, how many know they expect that to happen tomorrow? How many know what I'm talking about? There are times we withheld information from our kids when, when mama and papa were coming over to visit. We wouldn't tell them sometimes until it was closer to the time they were coming because if we told them too early all we would hear for days and hours is are they here yet are they here yet why because they were filled with the hope that mama and papa are coming and the moment that hope filled their heart they expected it to arrive at their front door why because that's the way a child thinks that's the immaturity of of thinking that's how a child the concept they can't understand the process they have have a process of understanding that says when the promise comes i expect it today they're so excited they're filled with anticipation they can't wait that's a child and how many know sometimes we have to admit that instead of having childlike faith we have childlike patience Instead of having, having childlike faith that just takes God at his word and believes, we end up having childlike patience that says, oh, God, you're going to do that? How about right now? Oh, God, that's what your word says? How about next week, 2 o'clock, my time? I, I believe this would be a good time. And, and how many would acknowledge that we have moments that we have childlike patience? Why? Because my anticipation is so great, but my endurance is so low. My anticipation for the promise is so great, but my endurance in the process is so low. I don't like to endure. Because if you have to endure something, it means you've got to go through it. You've got to put up with it. You've got to tolerate to some level. You've got to endure. You've got to press through. Some of you are like, I know what you're talking about, preacher. I've been enduring this sermon for the last, no, I'm just kidding. Every Sunday I come, I know what endurance is. I know what it's like. But when we endure, when we go through the process of, of, of these seasons, these moments, we recognize that for kids, they don't know better. But for us, we've got to carry the endurance. Here's what endurance comes to. You've heard it said that God will never give you more than you can bear. That's not really scriptural because what we interpret that to be is according to my ability God will never give me more than I can bear and we say God you know what I can take and you know God I can't take much more and God says well I'm bringing you to a place so you can realize what you can't take but that you can know what I can do that when you realize what you can't take is the moment I can step in and I can carry it you not, might not be able to take it but I can carry it 
You not, might not be able to go through what you're going through, but that's all right because I didn't ask you to have your own ability to endure. I said I would be your ability. I would give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who would walk with you that according to His power. Then how many know Then I can't look up to God and say, God, this is more than I can bear. I look up to God and say, God, you know that I'm not able, but I know in Christ I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can walk with contentment. I can be content. To, in this process to trust God in the journey of what he's taking me through. You might be going through something today and it requires an endurance. Might I encourage you, don't get caught up on what it's costing you. Let yourself get caught up on what it's affording you. Don't let yourself get caught up on what it's costing you, what it's taking from you. Look at what it's affording you, what it is that's coming your way, what it is that God is going to bring about because he is developing your faith and your faith cannot be developed without going through patience your faith will not be developed you will remain in a childlike patience and wanting to have childlike faith but in reality it's really just childlike patience to say I can't endure I can't make it but recognizing that God is the one who gives us the ability to have patient endurance what is patient endurance it's a steadfast endurance that is not strayed by trials or suffering here's what you got to recognize today patience does not count if it does not affect if it does not affect us with trials and suffering. Oh, we've thought we've had to be patient. I've had to be patient on pits in Pittsburgh traffic. That's not patience. I've had to be patient because the line was long at the restaurant and or the waitress didn't get to our table long enough. All oh, the things we endure. Now that's not patience. Patience is I'm going through a struggle. And I know God's word says he'll bring me through. But while I'm holding on to God's word, I'm still facing the struggle that's around me. That's patience. Patience is I know God said that he would bring me through. But right now, I hear his word, but I can't see his presence. Right now, I hear and hear his word, but I can't sense and feel his presence in my life. How many have been through moments where you heard the word of God, but you didn't feel the presence of God, and I have to hold on. That is patience. When it doesn't go as I thought it should go, when it doesn't happen according to my plans, and my SS, my plans, got sunk because of life circumstances, that is endurance. That is patience. Let me, let me tell you, the writer of this, this, this uh, text that we read in Proverbs, he gives us two types of people, same effects in life, and two outcomes, the wicked and the righteous. Notice that he says here that the righteous fall down and they get back up seven times. You could read that and say, well, falling into sin. The word means fallen. But it's not just falling into sin. It means falling in life where things don't go the way we plan, where there's trips along the way and we fall, not in our own failing, but because in life's winds that knock us around and set us off off course and things that happen in life that we get knocked down but a righteous person falls down or gets knocked down and they get back up but the wicked get hit one time and it throws them overboard 
The wicked can't respond, but the righteous, not listen, I'm not, I'm not evaluating you today. I'm telling you what the word of God says and asking you to evaluate where you stand today on a path of wickedness or a path of righteousness. Is there a path of being wicked? And here's what wickedness at the essence is, is wickedness is to have a heart that says, God, I don't trust your ways. I'm going to do mine. Wickedness is set in the heart to do God. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do what seems best unto me. That is a heart of wickedness. That when we reject the purpose and the plan and the leading of of God's presence in our lives, when we say, I don't trust your ways, I'm going to do it my way. That is the heart of wickedness. We see wickedness and we think sexual immorality. We think debauchery. We think great sin and and, and stealing and thievery and all this stuff. Then we see wickedness. We look so far out there, but sometimes wickedness is closer than we realize. Sometimes the, 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 the stem of wickedness gets in the heart in those seasons when things get turned upside down. That's the moment where wickedness tries to take root and wickedness tries to overcome and we have to remind and look and say, I'm gonna walk in righteousness because there's only two types of people that travel. Either the wicked forsaking the plans and the purpose and the truth of God's word or the righteous who say, I'm gonna stand upon the promise of what his word says. But notice there's wicked and righteous, but they're both affected by life circumstances. The Bible says this, that the the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on all of us. Trouble is not one of those things. And what we tend to do when troubles come our way, God, what did I do to deserve this? How many have ever asked that question when trouble comes your way? I've done that. God, what caused this to happen? What what was it that I did wrong that made this happen? And there might be moments where we could say, yeah, there were there it's an effect of consequences and things that we've done in our lives. But instead of looking at the consequence of what we've done in the past, instead looking at this moment and saying, God, I thank you that you still have a hope and a future, that though I may or may not be able to draw the line to how or why this occurred, because more times than not, we're not able to answer the why. More times than not, I can't tell you why God allows cancer to happen in people's lives. I can't tell you why God allows marriages to go through the things that they go through. I can't tell you why some people lose their jobs and things occur. And why I can't tell you why people lose loved ones after certain fights and, and, and uh, with battles of, of health issues and things. I can't tell you the why. I don't know the why it happens, but here I know is the who is, is able to bring us into the hope and to bring us into perseverance, the God who's able to sustain us even in those life circumstances. And I know that there is a faithfulness of God to bring us through. We're either righteous or wicked, trusting in our own strength or trusting in the strength of God. How many would be honest today and say there have been moments that you've trusted in your own strength? Yeah, I'm right with you. I'm in the moments where I've said, God, this isn't going the way I thought it would go, so let me try this. And God says, if you would just allow me to walk you through, but God, I don't want to take that journey. God, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to take that long. I don't want it to go through that process. I don't want that to be time and consuming my energy and my time. I want to find another way. But here in his grace and his mercy, that sometimes even in my righteousness, I fall trying to do my own thing, but I don't stay down. The righteous person gets back up. 
They're affected by the same things in life that come and cause this occurrence in our life. But if we're going to experience what God wants for us, we've got to know this, that every good thing takes time. I would show up at Grandma's house, and I knew that if we were hanging out all day Saturday, Grandma was going to have homemade bread. The problem is we would show up so early in the day that Grandma was just starting the process of making homemade bread. And I would sometimes have this thought but never dare say it. Grandma, why didn't you wake up and start earlier? (laughs) Now I have to be here through this process. I have to smell this. I have to go through this. We know that everything in life that is worth it takes time. Every healthy, growing marriage knows takes time. If it's not growing healthy with time, what we've done is we've pretended it was health and tried to keep it under the covers and under the rug until it reaches a point where it can't come out anymore. But when we acknowledge and grow and develop, that things get better with time. Do you believe that? Things get better with time. I'm not from Wisconsin, but they tell me the cheese that's really good is the cheese that sits the longest. That's called fungus. That doesn't even seem right. But there's someone who knows how to make something beautiful out of what we would look at and say, that doesn't seem right. But they know how to make what doesn't seem right and turn it into a delicacy. Turn it into something that is producing. I want you to know your God today hasn't left you abandoned in those seas that seem to be swallowing you up. This God that we serve today wasn't knocked off of his chair when you got the doctor's report. This God that we serve wasn't in a place of panic when you got the call about turmoil and difficulty and circumstances and things that are going on in your life. This God that we serve didn't throw down the hammer last night when you found yourself at a place you shouldn't have been doing what you shouldn't have done in the presence of God, knowing better. God doesn't at all look at you and saying, this is it, this is over. God says, my love, listen, because not only does he expect us to endure, but how many know the Bible says that the love of the Lord endureth forever. His steadfast love. He's not saying, I expect, how many know it's a good father who doesn't say, I want you to do something. I'm not going to do it, but you do it. A good father says, I'm not only expecting you to have endurance and to have perseverance, but I want you to know, not only do I expect you, but my love is persevering over you. My love is enduring over you. My love is everlasting over you. My love is not cut short by your past, by your sin, by your failure. My love, I am patient over you. How many are thankful that we serve a patient God who doesn't give up on us at our weakest moments, who doesn't say, you didn't trust me, I can't live you, I I can't walk with you anymore. You ask the question, God, where are you? But he's a God who says, ask your questions. I'll still be here. Feel your pain. I'll still walk with you. Go through what you go through. Let the hurt and the pain become real. But know this, I'm in the midst of what you go through. His love endureth forever. Come on, say that with me. His love endureth forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Some of you woke up right now and said, why are we chanting? Where are we right now? Well, we're glad you woke up. 
And you woke up at the right time to realize this and to hear this today. God wants you to know that His love endures forever. His love will follow you. His love will follow you to the places that you know. And you might even think His presence can't be. He'll go there with you. He'll run after you. He's a God who loves more than we could ever know. His love endures forever. But how do we grow in this endurance? Because it's one thing to be reached by the love of God. It's another thing now to grow and to develop in the love of God. And that process is a patient endurance. I want to give you some things this morning. You can write these down. I believe this is a life-changing moment right now. I don't know if there's anybody here today, but I believe God's going to, God's going to flip on the switch for somebody today and say, I want you to see this a whole different way. You've been looking at it like this, but I want you to see it like this today. I want you to, to move ahead in, in this purpose and in this desire. Let me give you these things today. If it takes time, I want to give you some things that it takes if we're going to develop this perseverance. Here's number one. It takes calculation. To calculate something is to be deliberate and determined. When you calculate, you're being deliberate in the calculations. It's a, it, it's a deliberate factor. You're, you're planning it out. You might say, well, how in the world can we plan it out if you just already said our plans get tumbled over? How in the world can we plan if our plans get tumbled over? Here's what I'm saying. We plan by saying this, no matter what happens, I plan to follow Jesus Christ. My plan and my determination is to trust the Lord. My plan is to hold on to the promise of God. My plan is to put my hope and to be deliberate to trust God no matter what comes my way. Listen what the, the writer of Proverbs says. He says, get honey. Because honey tastes good. How many of you know that honey tastes good? You've got to get honey. If you're going to get honey, you've got to go to the honeycomb. Do you know what hangs out at the honeycomb? Bees. You know what we might be able to say? God, I want to trust you to get to some sweet places and to some things, but I don't want to get stung by the bee. I don't want to take that risk. You've got to calculate the risk sometimes that we take in life. How many know trusting God takes risk? Living by faith takes risk. When we live by faith, we don't live because we know the circumstances. We live by faith knowing that no matter what the circumstance, God is going to bring us through. You've got to calculate your risk. You might go after the honey and the things that God desires and somewhere along the way you might get stung by a bee and it might hurt and you might say, I'm never going back there again. God, I trusted you and I got stung. Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying to God, and here's something so powerful. Do you know that the honeybee is a bee that once it stings, his life is over? So God wanted me to tell somebody today, you're missing out on tasting the honey and you're missing out on the opportunity to see that your threat to the devil is a lot greater than his threat to you because his sting, the Bible still says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? That Jesus Christ, he, the enemy brought the sting of death, but how many know that Jesus took the sting and Jesus rose again and the devil will forever be defeated and is defeated in Jesus' name? You might get stung. You might get a bruise. It might hurt along the way. You might get tripped up. You might step out of the boat saying, God, I'm going to walk on the water like Peter. I'm going to hear your voice, and I'm going to step out. And the moment I step out, I start to sink. You might sink, but he reaches out his hand to grab you in the place of where you're sinking. I would rather step out of the boat and take my chances of having to reach for his hand than to stay in the boat and never learn what it's like to trust the voice of God and to walk after God. You've got to calculate your steps, and sometimes 
sometimes it's not about being comfy. It's not about having it all the way you want it to be. It's about knowing this. I'm hearing the voice of God. I'm trusting God. And I'm not walking on my ability to walk. I'm walking on his promise to hold me and to never let me fall. Sorry if I'm just preaching myself this morning. That's all right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not walking today because I'm not taking a journey because I'm never going to get hurt. Man, if it was about never getting hurt, I never would have got married or had kids. Well, you say, oh, because your marriage is your, your, your family? No. Because anything valuable makes you vulnerable. Anything valuable makes you vulnerable. When there becomes that value, there's that opportunity, that place of pain. This could hurt. And I'm going to go through some tough places, but I've got to calculate it takes calculation. I know the enemy might come against me. The enemy, the moment, and I want you to know this, the moment you step out to take God at his word is the moment the enemy's going to say, oh, really, can you endure this? I've heard it said this, that if, if the enemy's not coming against you, it might be that you're not following Jesus. If the, if the enemy's not after you, it might be that you're not after Jesus. Why? Because when we step out to walk in the place in the presence of God, Man, if this faith journey was easy, we'd all do it every day. But because the faith journey is not easy, we tend to just do it when it feels right. We tend to just do it at the moments that seem okay. We tend to apply it just to the moments that seem doable and palatable and when I can be in control. But the moment I have to trust and go through struggle, that gets harder. This sermon today is not a message to say to you, God's going to take it all away. Because the Lord said, sometimes it's not my plan to take it all away. It's my plan to strengthen you to go through it. Because I can make you much better, not by taking your problem, but by walking with you through your problem and showing you my power and my grace. Because it's not just enough that he comes to rescue us. It's more that we come to know him as our rescuer that we know him as the one who is able to be with us in the midst of the journey in the places that we go. It takes calculation. Number two, it takes contentment. It takes contentment. Sometimes we get so focused on how far we have to go that we forget to recognize how far God has brought us. I'm guilty of this. I'm a visionary person. I always have plans and there's always things ahead. And I tend to look and say, man, there's so far to go. But when I stop and recognize how far God has brought me, I become strengthened. You know why? Because I say words like this, Lord, you brought me this far. You're going to bring me even further. You were with me through this point. Why is it that every time the Israelites, when they would have a worship service, someone sang that song, the horse and rider fall into the sea, that the love of the Lord endures forever. The horse and the rider fall in the sea. Why? Because they're looking back to the Red Sea and they say, remember what God brought us through? Remember what, how many know sometimes we need to be reminded of what God has done and that act of worship and the act of praise to be able to acknowledge that we've got to be in those places having a contentment that we need to count our blessings, that we need to know that God has brought us into a place of provision, that he's gone with us. Listen what verse 15, it says, don't raid the house where the godly live. Don't raid the house where the godly live. It says in verse 15, it says, and don't raid the house, or don't wait in ambush at the home of the godly, and don't raid the house where the godly live. 
I thought about that. And I thought, why would you say don't raid the house of the godly? And I think it's this, because the enemy's desire is not to take from you, not your possession, but your position. Listen to me. The enemy does not want to come to your house and rob your possessions. He wants to take your position. The enemy wants to take your position from you. Your possessions are the blessings that come from God. But your position is who you are in Christ. Get this. Your possession is what you've gotten from God. The blessings. How many have been blessed by God? How many know that the blessings of the Lord make rich, add no sorrow to it? God has blessed your life. The enemy doesn't want your possession. He doesn't want your blessings. He wants your position. He doesn't want to take what you've got from God. He wants to take God from you. He wants you to no longer feel like the son and the daughter of God. He doesn't want you to feel your position of belonging to God. So he comes to steal your blessings to make you feel like you don't have the position in God's presence. Is this making sense to anyone this morning? This is not the enemy's not saying I want your goods the enemy says I want to take your position in Christ I want to knock you off your feet I want you to feel like a failure like an outcast like a forgotten I want you to be beat up he doesn't want you to just be robbed of your possession he wants to rob you of your joy your peace the presence of God he wants to make you feel like you're an orphan and that your God has abandoned you that's when hopelessness sets in here's what the righteous he says don't wait outside for the righteous Don't rob them because you can take all their money, but you'll never take their position because they're righteous. They know who they are. They know where they stand. They know what they have. You can take all their goods, but they serve a God that their life isn't measured by how much goods they have. Their life is measured by how good God is in their life. It's not measured by what what they possess. It's measured by who they are in Christ. How many know that when you have the attitude of righteousness and who you are in Christ, it changes everything? I, I, I don't know if I'm saying this like it's in my spirit. I don't know if you're catching this like I'm, I'm catching it from the Lord. I don't know if you're getting this because we measure our hope by the reports and things that are around us. I lost my money. I feel hopeless. I lost my, my, my relationships. I feel hopeless. I lost things around me. And all the while, you might identify and count what you lost, but what you have the most and you can never lose is the presence of God, the peace of God, His presence that is with you. You can knock the righteous down, but they're going to get back up every time because they're not affected by what you take from them. They're affected because they know who is on the inside of them and who they are in Christ. They are righteous. And when you stand in righteousness, you know what you have. Do you know who you are in Christ? Because here's what perseverance says. How about David? Some 13-year-old standing out to face a giant. You're no match for my God. You come against me with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. What? David, you've got a slingshot? You took off the armor, and I'm coming in the name. Why? Because David knew that it wasn't what the enemy could take from him. He knew what was on the inside of him. He stood not with what he possessed, but with who he was positioned in. I come against you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. I come against you in the promise of who Jesus Christ is. You can't rob my possession because I serve a God. If he blessed me once, he'll bless me twice. If he's blessed me, he can restore But this you cannot take is my position in Christ. I'm going to move on. I hope that gets somebody this morning. I hope you make sense of that. you got to see your proper place. Because when you know your proper place, you can rise up and press through. 
Because you're not moaning what you lost because you're celebrating and holding on what you really have. And the enemy can't take this hope away. Let me give you number three. It takes, it takes consistency. What's it say about the righteous? It says they fall down and they get back up again. Seven times they fall down and they get back up again. Everybody say again. Again. They get back down, they fall down seven times, they get back up again. Galatians 6 9, in fact, this is the mile marker verse this week. Galatians 6 9 says this, and for those of you that are just joining us in this faith journey, this, this summer road trip, each week we've been assigning a mile marker as a verse for us to memorize and to hide in our heart to help us. And as you travel in life, you get to mile markers and it shows you the progress and it helps you identify where you've gone. And this is a mile marker verse for us this week. And here's what it says Let not your heart Get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. What if we don't give up? You're going to reap a blessing if you don't give up. You might fall down. Get back up again. You might be hit in life's moments. Get back up again. I was thinking of this whole idea of getting back up again. And, and when you think of this, what it does, it develops a pattern of faithfulness. That when you do this again, it develops faithfulness. I, I thought about the, the geyser in Yellowstone National Park that we know as Old Faithful. How many have ever seen Old Faithful? On uh, Wednesday afternoon, I, I went to see Old Faithful. They have a live camera, and you can watch it on the website. I was just studying Old Faithful, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not studying it like I'm a geologist or something, you know, like I'm, but it, it just, what is it about Old Faithful? So I Googled it, and it, it came up, and it showed a live cam, and sure enough, the moment I pulled it up, it was on mountain time, and it was about to erupt in the next 10 minutes, so I'm like, cool, I'm going to watch this happen. While I'm waiting to see on this cam, this, this, this live cam, this eruption I've never seen in person, I saw the crowds gather around. And I was reading underneath, it says that you know that it can, it's about to happen because the crowds gather around. And it usually happens not on every hour. It's not that it's so regular to time. It's not even the biggest geyser in the park. There are bigger geysers. There's even ones that, that, that flow and, and erupt more frequently. But Old Faithful is the most consistent. Old Faithful is the one that they can calculate. It's the one that they can find within a 10-minute window that they're usually, if not always, right on. The other ones seem to have a pattern that's all their own and they can't find it. But Old Faithful, that every time an eruption happens to this point, within the next hour, it's going to be in a 10-minute window. And if it rises to this level... We can gauge it and know why. Because their pattern is so consistent. Her pattern is so consistent that you can see it. Not because it's the biggest. Not because it shows up all the time. But because you know where to find it. I had one of those grandmothers that when life happened and things went on, I knew where to find grandma. I knew grandma would usually be in her living room on her knees praying at this old dirty couch. Ugly print. I can't even believe we were able 
to have that thing in the house. I say that because we were all the grandkids running and jumping. We never took our shoes off. You didn't come in playing outside on the farm where grandma lived and you didn't take your shoes off. We just ran through and but grandma would be sitting or kneeling at that couch and praying. Why? Because she was faithful. I knew what it was every morning when I wake up and I come down the steps and I'd come down the steps as quiet as I could to see where everybody was and I'd see my dad over at the desk in the corner and his Bible open. Why? Because he was faithful. It was a place of consistency. Didn't matter if he got a good report. He didn't go there because he just got bad news. He didn't go there because it was a bad day. He went there because he was faithful. He knew consistency. He endured. He prepared himself. So yeah, when he did get the call that things are rough, he already knew where his strength was coming from because he already found it in the consistency of being in the presence of God. Too often, we want God's endurance the moment things erupt. And God says, I don't want to just be your presence in your eruption. I want to be your peace to walk with you in the place of turmoil if you'll just be consistent just be there just show up just meet with me I want to be with you I've created this universe to be with you I didn't create it God's saying I didn't create it so you could serve me but yet we serve him I didn't create it so you can take care of it yet we take care of it I didn't create it so that you could just sing songs of praise and worship me yet we do that He says, I did this so that I could create a place to be with you. I want to be with you. God's whole desire, hear me today, is not to make you a perfect person. It's to make you his. He doesn't want to make you perfect. He wants to make you his. And we get so caught up in trying to be perfect, doing the right thing, putting on the right clothes, acting the right way, singing the right song, listening to the right music, having the right heart, having the right attitude. Oh God, am I perfect enough? Am I good enough? And God says, I never created legalism for you to be perfect. I created a place for you to belong. I created a place for you to know my presence, to know my love. I want you to know when you walk in the doors of Faith Assembly, we're not eyeing you up to say, do you look like us? Do you worship like us? Are you as spotless as we are? We look at you and we say, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much he wants you to know him today do you know how much this is the anthem of the church in the last days as Jesus is coming it's not come and be good like us it's come and know the grace of a God who says your world is falling apart your ship has overturned but your hope is never gone he is a God who is with you in the midst of your turmoil in the midst of your pain he'll never leave you Consistency. Let me give you the last one. We're going to close. He wants us to know today that what it's going to take is, without a doubt, calculation, contentment, consistency. And here's the last thing conditioning. The righteous fall, how many times? And they get back up. Is it all right if I ask questions about why God had them put certain numbers and things in the Bible? In fact, I think that's what we're supposed to do. It's not just one of those things, oh, God picked the number seven. It wasn't just he randomly selected a number and said, hey, the righteous fall down seven times. And they get back up again. Here's why God 
said seven. Seven is a number of completion. But more importantly, seven, now this isn't a trick question. What comes after seven? Y'all are smart. You must have been homeschooled. Listen, eight, here's the powerful thing of eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. When the child was circumcised, he was circumcised on the eighth day. There are seven days in a week, and technically the eighth day marks a new week, a new beginning. It's a number of new And so when you fall down and you get back up, I'm not saying, oh, well, I got five more to go. I only fell down twice. No, 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 no. It's not, it's a figurative. It's it's not a number that you add up and measure. It's to say that every time you get back up, the righteous fall, but they get back up again. And that again is a new person. I don't get up the way I fell down. I get up in Christ and I'm made new. I got to say to somebody today, you're not a former alcoholic. You're not a former addict. You're not a former whatever the enemy has been putting in your head. You're not a former. You're not a former. You are a child of the living God. Throw off the former label. Throw off the former things. Forget the things that are behind you. Forget what is behind. Press on what is ahead and how many know to take that or to do that it takes perseverance it takes conditioning here, here and you've got to calculate the risk it takes calculation you, you got to have contentment you got to know that God is with you he's been with you in the past he's going to continue with you when you're in the middle of it it takes contentment it takes consistency keep going on it takes conditioning Matthew 13, good soil, the the parable of the soil. How many know that some seed fell on the footpath and the, the, the birds ate it before it even had a chance to grow? Then it also fell on rocky soil and it sprouted up quick. How many know we like quick? Sprouted up quick, but it wasn't deep. It had nothing to grow on. And then there was another that it grew up in weeds. Because it grew up in weeds, it got choked out. But then there was seed that fell on the good, fertile soil. Do you know what that word good means? Here's what it means. In time. Do you know what the other word connected with good? Beautiful. How many know that a flower is beautiful and we call it beautiful? Why? Because it produces in time. Flower isn't beautiful because it's a seed in the ground. You don't call it beautiful until it breaks the ground and starts growing. But how many know it takes time? It takes time. It takes time. Do you have enough patience to trust God in the process? Or are you looking for a shortcut? Maybe what your marriage needs is just a little more patient love. Maybe what your finances need is just some patient planning. Maybe what your contentment needs is 
just recognizing, God, I might not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I know you're working with me. Time. Isn't it interesting that we want God's grace for us, but we forget to give God's grace? But can I say to you today, it's all right. If it takes you time, we're in the same boat. I'm still taking time on growing and becoming. Sometimes I run and I fall down and I have to get back up again. But you know what I do? I hold on to this that I know my God will bring me through. I may know that if we have real childlike faith, it will produce patience. We're going to close with this song and we're going to close in prayer and here's what I want us to do today I don't know what you're going through how many would say I need some patient endurance maybe there's something you're going through today and you need some patient endurance your patient endurance is needed but today we're going to gather around this together and we're going to let there be a face for all of us of patient endurance here's the face her name is Gabriel she sits over here with her family during the 11 o'clock service on Sunday mornings. Gabriel has a mass in her abdomen that is of some great concern. The doctors are still looking to see what all needs to be done, but just Wednesday, it all took turns to realizing that there's a great concern snapped a picture of this young girl as she was in her hospital bed and got permission from her family to show you her face because we're going to pray for Gabriel today because she needs patient endurance but can I tell you what this little girl said to me I read Psalm 107 to her and we read and with a tear in her eye she said as I finished the last part of that verse I was reading But there are those who are in the sea and they call out to God and he calmed the storm and he brought them safely to their harbor. She looked at me and these were her words. She said, Jesus is going to bring me to my harbor. Then she said, and that doctor, he doesn't know Jesus. But after this, he's going to know Jesus. If a fifth grader can get that, God, you're developing something in me. If a fifth grader can have a heart to say, God, you're going to produce. Now, listen, let's all be real. She can have that in her heart, but she still has to go through the things she has to go through. We're praying, God, you in a moment can speak the word and that mask can be gone. You can do it in a moment. But this is her prayer. I'll just tell you what she said. She said to me, she said, I'm too young to die. And we started to talk about what God wants to do in our lives. And she said, but I'm not too young to give God glory. I want this to be a face for you today because you're going through something that you need endurance. And I know some of you are like, well, I thought I had a struggle, but now that. 
right? I thought I was going through something, but now that. I thought I was facing a place of feeling hopeless or despair, but that. Uh, this isn't a comparison. That's not all. I'm saying to us, let this be a face to remind us that no matter what, our hope. You feel that this morning? You're going through it. 